0: Welcome to Drinking With Authors. I'm your host Erica Lance. My co-host today is the You're My Tasty Pork Cutlet Val Willis. That shirt you're wearing is ridiculous. I love this shirt. It's a reference to a anime
1: called uh, Uh, Yuri on Ice and it's ice skaters
0: it's it's really good time okay good we're time. not talking about your anime this isn't about you this is about our amazing author guest suzanne simonetti welcome Yay! welcome Woo! thank you so much for, for having me absolutely okay <laughs> let's talk about what we're drinking so out of my uh mothman festival 2023 cup um i made a dirty chai with baileys oh yes so it's got coffee chai mm-hmm. mixed Bailey's and a little milk to pretend like I was actually being an adult which I, I was not. love the creativity I love that yes actually Bo Lake one of our other co-hosts it was like you should put Bailey's in your chai and I'm like yes I should and so now I do so that's the thing I love that. Um, Val what are you drinking today in my very
1: snarky grammar cup I have uh you sent me some uh flavored coffees not too long ago so this is the raspberry choco latte one and then i used a raspberry choco latte creamer and it just uh, up the ante
0: that sounds like a lot of sugar i'm just
1: trying to stay sober today because i got i I have to i have to adult later
0: Okay, well, um, that's boring. Um, Suzanne, what are you drinking today? I am drinking spiced mulled wine. And I'm laughing
2: at myself because you're looking at this and it looks like I'm just drinking basically red wine in this huge mug. But I did put it on the stove with cinnamon and some citrus and a, a cinnamon stick. You can add rum. The recipe is in the back of my new book, The Christmas Story. It's the recipe's in the back of that. Um, but I did not have rum on hand and I didn't think I
0: needed the rum. So it's just the spice mold wine and it's so yummy. It's really well, good. See, I now heavy. I need that recipe because I love spice mold wine. <laughs> it's really yours. Really it, so consider it yours. Sure. Oh, that's exciting because, yeah. Okay. Um, now now my drink doesn't feel nearly as cool as it did a minute ago. Yours is way better than mine. Okay, so Suzanne, for those that may not know, what do you write? I am a fiction
2: novelist. And um, about nine years ago, my husband and I bought down in Cape May, New Jersey. Cape May is the tippy end of New Jersey. And um, it's so far south, it's on, it's on the same latitude as Washington, D.C. I'm bringing oh, this wow. up because Cape May is where I set my stories. And it's just... It's such an enticing place to write about. There's so much history there. You have these beautiful Victorian homes set just within blocks of the beach. Uh, back in 76, they preserved the whole town as a historic district. I shouldn't say the whole town. They they, they preserved the uh, certain sections uh, as a
0: historic district. So I love writing about Cape May. Yeah. Oh no, that sounds amazing! So, when did your um sort of let's do our Scooby Doo um and going back in time? When did you start your writing journey? And not until I was in my thirties, I was reading and I was
2: working. Um, I was doing marketing for my husband, and I had a part-time job as a personal trainer. I had left the corporate world, so I was in my thirties, married, and I uh, was reading, and I, I just found myself saying. I think I could probably do this. And I started I started I started writing stories and I, I connected with people on social media. I found a mentor, Caroline Levitt, who I connected with 10 years ago already, 2013. Wow. Yeah. So I sent her one of my manuscripts. That I had finally finished. And um and that's what started all of this. So it's been I'm at it for more than that's about 10 years, almost over 10 years. It's crazy. Congratulations. Wow. So what was your first book that got published then? My first book. Came out in 2021. That's The Sound of Wings. That was my debut. Very proud of this. Of, of course, it's set in Cape May um, and it hit the USA Today bestsellers list in the spring of 2022, which was thrilling for me. Wow. Um, and I'm just proud of the story and the characters. And uh, that's next. I, I I have enough readers that are on me about writing the what happens after, like what happens next. They want more from these characters. So that's going to be, I'm going to be turning all my years and shifting gears to in January to focus on that.
0: Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, that is, so how
2: many books do you have published then? Just two, just two. Sound of Wings was one. And then I just launched my Christmas story in October. Also said in Cape May, and i I wanted to write, I wanted to capture how beautiful the holiday season is down in Cape May. Um, just the the they have all these different types of awards where the town will, you know, award the prettiest dressed Victorian, and the the you know it's all just the shop fronts are just beautiful. Everything's just dressed to the nines, and you're you could be walking down the street and see a, a horse and carriage going by with tourists and sleigh bells. You know, oh, wow. and it's just like, you know, I just stepped into a Charles Dickens novel. You know, it, it's just beautiful. And it kind of got me like I, I fell back in love with the season being there. I started doing book research exactly 10 years ago. I was down there in 2013 with my husband. And I said, you know, I, I can do something I need. I just I gave myself a year and I said, let me write a Christmas story set in Cape May. Let me capture how beautiful the season is. Because it turned it around for me, and and it's getting great feedback. So,
0: that's that's yeah. very awesome. So, my first question is, what? Um, so, you put your first book out. It looks like it. It sounds like it took a little time to get to your first book being published, right? It took a long time because that
2: wasn't the first book I wrote. I'm glad you asked that. The first book I wrote is sitting in the proverbial drawer. It's not print. It's not in print. You know, it needs some work. It needs tidying up. Um, and then I kind of just left that there. And I this new story came to me in the summer of 2015. That's when I started writing The Sound of Wings when we moved to Cape May. Okay. And that's when I got inspired by these brand new story and brand new. So I do have other books written. They're just not in print.
1: but it's important, right? It's almost like exercising or or anything that you do in your life. Like you, even when you're not sure if it's going to be the, the piece that goes to print or goes to your readers you still always want to practice your craft and be using your craft and learning um you know like uh one of my favorite and I know I've mentioned it on the show a few times is uh Anne Rice uh before she passed and one of the Facebook lives she did someone asked her you know do you ever wish you can go back and write Interview with the Vampire with how you write now because it. That's like the start and 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 you know uh backside of your career. And she's like, could I write it better today? Absolutely. Do I want to? No, but I am proud of who I was at the time I wrote the book, you know, for what I knew and what I did. Look how far that look at the achievements attached to that book, right? Um, so there's always that level of forgiveness. Um, are there any of those manuscripts that you kind of eye every once in a while like it's like the child that's asking for attention these days? I love the, I love that you brought up Anne Rice and I love the question. Uh, so much so uh,
2: the characters are still with me. They will see the light of day. I promise them that because they're too good not to. So that they will be yes they will be when I'm ready to revisit that absolutely, absolutely. And I love it because Val because I have um. I've written hundreds of thousands of words in the wrong direction. You know what I mean where you just have to like kind of just hit it de- hit the delete button and st- I save everything in a separate folder that I call extra footage. I don't get rid of anything. So even if I'm it's not going to go in a book, I just kind of like to keep everything that I've written. You know, just to, and and even if I'm just messing around and I want to just, you know, I need to journal. I it's quicker for me to type than to write with a pen. My
1: hand cramps up. So I have stuff saved on the computer. Tons of it, so absolutely. And I love that you named the folder extra footage. I'm always, because I a lot of authors are like, well, what do you do with these deleted scenes? And I'm like, I, I save them in a file. And then every once in a while during a newsletter or something, I'll share, hey, what would it, this story have been like if so-and-so had made XYZ decision? And then I pull a little piece of that back in and share it with my readers because it's sort of like, know that I explored this possibility kind of excitement and they get to see like a side of the story that probably wouldn't have seen the light of day. And I think it encouraging authors to be a little bolder with, it's okay to, to have these these bits and then explore those, those venues. Um, You did a lot of research in Cape May, uh, now that you live there and it inspired the books that you have published. What was one of the historical things you discovered in your research that surprised you?
2: Cape May is the end of the underground railroad and Harriet Tubman had a, quite a big presence here in Cape May. Yeah. Yeah, um, and we, they just opened up a museum. That's one of the things. Uh, the other thing that's kind of neat, you said history specifically?
1: Oh, um, well, anything about Cape May that that you were... That- well, it's, it's haunted. There's a lot...
2: There's <laughs> a lot of history. I don't know who the Victorians like to haunt. No, but really, so many, so many of the buildings are from the 1800s and the early 1900s. And so there's some there's a Cape May ghost writer out there. His name's Craig McManus. I've done a couple tours with him as a guest. I've taken his tours and heard some wild stories. I read one of his books. So it, it's kind of neat. It's like a different element to the whole, you know,
0: small town. Yeah. Wow. That's one
2: of the things. Yeah.
0: I, you know, I, my question for you on um, the genre and everything: what is this the genre like that you read the most? And you're like, I can do this, or was that what drew you to it?
2: Yeah, I'd say they they call it lit fiction, women's fiction. It's mm-hmm. you know, the upmarket women's fiction was what they told me ten years ago. So that's really kind of what that's exactly where they're based. That's exactly where they they live in as far as genre. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do, um, at, you know, down the road. I'm contemplating a romance series, steam things up a little bit. That yeah. could be fun. I could, be, I think I'd be great at it, quite frankly. And yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, who I like know this? what
2: women want, you know. <laughs> oh,
0: I mean, I think that's amazing. I think also being in the um, genre you are, that you can easily kind of slide into that genre yeah you know yeah. women's fiction into romance it just and you know it's a lot of fun so what surprised you when you published the book like what was the thing going through that process that you were totally like what like how did the, you know because I feel like when <laughs> we have an idea when we go into publishing of what we think it's going to be like so we name certain things and we're like okay and then something usually comes up that's like you're like I had no idea that was going to happen. My target demo, excuse older,
2: like it, like a baby boom older, like the older women love my book. Now the one of the main characters was in her early seventies, but I didn't think that that meant that that I had to go after that reader. But, but just the story and the cover and and the whole appeal of the way I laid it out. Um, they love it I mean I have people coming up, oh my mom loved your story <laughs> <I> love <laughs> my mom. I'm buying this for my grandma this young woman came up to me at one of the shows she's like I'm buying this for my grandma I'm like oh that's great it was just but I love it it's great it's heartwarming it, it, it makes me feel good
1: that I can I can touch people yeah a, so- a fun fact when I did re market research same thing like my audience that I thought I would have for <laughs> sleeping with Sasquatch as honeycomings was not who I thought it would be because I thought that would be a younger crowd since it's a erotica about a cryptid. No, it's it's split almost 50, 50 male and female over the age of sixty, and I'm like. <laughs> And grandma likes some spice in her life. So, so Suzanne, write that romance series. Your current readership will totally love you for it. And, you know, they are doing, I'm sure you guys have heard, like, if you listen
2: to anyone and they're talking about genres, fantasy is big, of course, but romance has not gone anywhere.
1: No, is, it never will. It's a staple.
2: It's a staple. And, and I, yeah, I have such a vast imagination. I really could see myself doing it. it it'll, it'll hit me. It'll hit me.
0: Yeah. So what is your um writing process like? Like when you sit down, um do you have to like what have you found to be your sort of best practices as an author? It's such a great question.
2: Um I use what I call the pomodoro technique and I'll explain. It's like a little kitchen timer. You can set it to anything. I set it for 25 minutes. Pomodoro in Italian means tomato. And it, it this is something that exists. I did not make this up. So what I do is when I'm ready to sit down and write, even if I'm even if I'm brainstorming, I set my kitchen timer, my little Pomodoro timer, and there is an app on my phone. And I don't do anything within the, those 20 minutes, or oh, 25 minutes rather. I don't do anything. I just focus on the work. I concentrate, and then bing, I'll get a little ding when the 25 minutes is up. And what's great about it is that there can be days, and you both know this, where you're spending hours at, at the desk, but you're not getting words out. You, maybe you're editing or you're just kind of banging your head against the desk, but you're still working. And so I wanted a way to quantify my work. And so when I, you know, my husband and I are comparing notes at the end of the day and he's like, how'd you do? I'm like, well, I did six tomatoes. You know, I did seven tomatoes. So he knows, you know, I've, this is how much time I've spent this is, and, and it's a way for me. I keep track of them
1: too. So that's what that's, I, we no, think that's I, great. I recommend sprints all the time, like 10, 20-minute sprints, because you should at least know that when you're having an off day, what that word count looks like, when you're having a good day, what that word count looks like, right? So that when you, and I I tell people, you can write a novel in a year on a lunch break with this method. You have a 30-minute break, you spend 10, 15 minutes, half of it writing, you're going to end up doing enough to eventually monday through friday to write a novel by the end of the year and uh i think my favorite story is a i a friend's like there's no way you're pulling 60 70 hour weeks and still writing your books i said i do and she goes how on my lunch break you should join me and now she's uh revising her novel that she started while writing on a lunch break so i
2: kudos to you for doing that that's people like you amaze me that you can, yeah. you can be working that much and be uh, putting books out, you know. <clears throat> excuse me, unless you've done it, you know, you you, you don't really understand how hard it is to do something like that. It so- helps
1: that it's my stress reliever. So, <laughs> controlling controlling imaginary people's lives and destroying them in all in a keystroke makes me feel better about my chaos. And what I love about the Pomodoro is that you can kind of apply it to other things
2: in your life. Like if I had to clean out a closet the other day, which who wants to do that? But I set the Pomodoro, you know what, I'll do, maybe I'll do two tomatoes on this. I'll do two 25 minutes, 50 minutes. And if I feel like I'll keep going, I'll put another 25 minutes on the clock.
0: So you can apply it to anything, really. No, And I think it's important. And one of the things, you know, every author on the entire planet will say the only way you're going to get a book done is if you sit down and write (laughs) like all the other stuff aside, you actually have to sit down and write because otherwise nothing's going to happen. That's right. right. You have to make the time you have to make the time and you have to whatever it's
2: going to take for you to do that. You got to tell the people in your life too. you know, I'm writing another book. Yeah, it's important. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, and I, I like how you phrase that. You have to make the time. I always tell people, people are like, how do you find the time? And I said, it's not about finding the time it's making the time and setting a schedule and being disciplined and, and getting in a habit to, to allow myself to do the things it's no different from eating healthy or starting an exercising or any of the other stuff that I procrastinate on. Uh, but you know, when it comes to my writing though, that's, that's my jam. and I. And eventually you get to a point where where it's just part of your routine.
2: It is. And I love that you brought up exercise because I was a personal trainer in my former life. And I'm really, you can liken uh, writing a book to exercise because there's the compound effect. It's like a little bit every day. And you may not be seeing much, just a couple of words on the page, but that is going to add up. It's adding up fast. And then, you're, then you've got like chapters to edit. You're like, okay, I'm not doing so bad over here. <laughs>
0: No, it's true. And one of the things uh, is, is I think people don't realize, you know, if you're looking for an 80,000 word novel, for instance, and you actually break that down into what that takes to do an 80,000 word novel, because that sounds like a lot. Oh, my gosh, 80,000 words, right? Write 200 words a day, you'll get faster and faster and better, and then it will flow And, you know, whatever sort of lockup you have will unlock itself. And, you know, the whole, you know, writer's block, I can't think you just have to sit down and do something. So if you even have the smallest target for yourself, sit down and write X amount of words a day. It will That's make great. a tremendous difference when you do that. So It does, and you use such a key word, you said unlocked, and it will unlock because we all
2: have those days where we sit down and all of a sudden we're writing a whole scene and you're like, I don't know what my word count is, but I know it's good, but, you know, and that feels great. And sometimes it's best not to question, just to keep going.
1: Keep
0: and going, yeah. you
2: unlock whatever's stuck or whatever is holding you back, that resistance, yeah.
0: No, totally. So have you done any in-person events I have. Yeah, I have. What has
2: that been like? It's been fun because I've been doing the Christmas. uh, I've been selling the Christmas book. I did uh, over the weekend. I was at the Nature Center in Cape May. They had their holiday marketplace. So I was selling books there with a Santa Claus hat and a Jingle Bell necklace. I get really into it. Um, (laughs) it. And then I I was over at the Monarch Festival because the Monarch is a theme in The Sound of Wings. Um, So I sold books over there. And then I also did their Oktoberfest for Kate May. They close a few of the streets. I put on a traditional durndle and I was selling books. And we had we had a great time. It was it was fun. I sold a lot of books. And so it's been a, it's been a fun season. It really has.
0: That's yeah. awesome. What has uh feedback on your book been like?
2: The the Kate May Christmas story. I check all the boxes. It did what I wanted to do. It, it's a heartwarming tale. There was some tension between the grown adult brothers because there had to be some kind of conflict. Uh, but it's basically done what I wanted, which is to spark people into the season and get them in the mood for the holiday. Because You know, it's hard to do, but
0: and it doesn't have to be elaborate, but it was
2: it's it definitely achieved that goal.
0: Yeah. And what what have people said to you? What has that been like the actual when they come up to you? what is the feedback or emails you've received or something like that I like that you asked this I haven't gotten so much fan mail since
2: this book came out I I wasn't expecting that and um the one thing I'm hearing is that I've never been to Cape May and I'm dying to go there now so everybody that hasn't been there is like I want to plan a trip and in my author note at the very beginning of the book I say do it early because the season does book up very fast so I'm talking like year in advance, like,
0: yeah. So is your book in all the stores
2: there? Almost, Yeah. Most of them Whale's Tale, which is a really fun store. Um, they sell everything from like, you know, custom jewelry, like not jewelry, high-end jewelry, but like sea glass and, um, to children's books. It's kind of like a novelty shop. They sell it there and they sell it in the bookstore. There's a small, um, Cape Atlantic book company here in Cape May, they sell it there. And they also carry it at the Physic Estate, which is part of the Cape May Mid Atlantic Center for the Arts. They carry it in the carriage house um, on the property, which is really nice. So I'm there, I'm out there. And I've, I've advertised all over. I'm in New Jersey Monthly,
0: I've done all the advertising, Cape May Magazine. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, okay, Val, last question before the break.
1: Oh, man.
0: Uh, you mentioned that
1: uh that you were surprised at how haunted cape may is what what ghost story or haunting stood out to you out of all the ones that caught your attention
2: the one that i experienced when my husband and i were walking down uh, um one of the streets it's washington street in front of the southern mansion which is notoriously haunted and I read about it in Craig McManus's book, and it was a sunny day. And he said that there's a fellow that kind of lingers on the front yard. And I, my husband, who just kind of rolls his eyes at me, I, I leaned over and said, um, is there anybody out there today? And we heard the sound of a man making, imitating a horse whinnying, like, <laughs> and I looked at my husband and I said, did you hear that? And he said, let's get out of here. And he ran down the street. <laughs> okay. And wow. there was no one on the front lawn. There was, was not covered. There was no tree. There was nothing. We heard it. It was, it was that. So that's my story. Oh,
1: wow. And it, it's, to me, it's scarier when, when you have a, a experience during the day.
2: <laughs> I, I thought they only came out at night, but. No, no,
0: <laughs> no. Ghost. If, if somebody who discusses this on another podcast, um, ghosts come out whenever they want to, but that would be a fun part of whatever romance story you do about that area. You could have a paranormal, like a ghost tour person. Doing ghost tours. Oh, Let me give some inspiration.
1: Got no. yeah. Look at her. Look, look, we call ourselves the muses. So we're like, so we're gonna muse you. Write your romance series and, and one of the characters needs to be like a ghost tour person.
0: I love it. I think that would be so much fun. Okay, we have to take a quick break and we will be right back with drinking with authors. Hey listeners. You know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Eerie Florida book series in Erie Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Eerie Travels. Woo woo! Eerie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about. And I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep. And you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? Okay, we're back. We'll see you on the Brad's other side. Back. She made the break take forever. Just kidding. I'm just teasing. Okay. <laughs> so, um, Suzanne, you, you, during the break, you were talking about like, what? How long does it take you to write a book?
2: Gosh, more than huh, more than a year, because I wrote this Christmas novella. It, I from conception to publication date, it was one year, 10, to ten ten, ten, ten ten, but it's 30,000 words. So an 80, 80,000 were not, it took me longer to write the sound of wings. And it also went through a lot of editing. It went through, a, a, you know, and it's, that's, that's 80,000 words a year and a half year and a half i'd like to get better i'd like to get faster but um some things can't be rushed for me you know especially the follow-up to the sound of wings
0: so do you feel like you have a lot of pressure with that because i think this is something that some some authors are really i know where this is going to go blah 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 and other authors like i don't know i feel like george R. R. martin at this point has so much pressure on that the game of thrones book that you it's almost stifling you know what i mean to go i well, what am i going to do with this at this point how do you feel about this next book that's a great question and i did watch game of thrones so i like
2: i i appreciate the reference um i'm not i don't feel the pressure george R rr certainly does There's nothing like that but um it does feel like i can sometimes hear the drum roll <laughs> like, okay, what's coming? that's important um, that I kind of keep the integrity of the characters um the way that i I you know, um shared them in the Sound of Wings. and this new book is going to take place ten years in the future. So lives change a lot in ten years. And so we're going to be catching up with these characters ten years later. And um, I'm also a totally different person coming to the coming to the, um, you know, the page. So it is going to be interesting. A little bit of pressure, not too much, but you know that saying you're never going to have as much time to write your first book. Yeah, like you know you you you're only gonna you have the longest time to write your first book. You'll never have that again. I now I know what they mean. Now I know what they mean.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's very true, and I think one of the things that's going to be interesting on your journey here is that you are um, you're. Now going to reapproach this with so much other writing under your belt that it's a very different situation when you reapproach things with like that. I think
2: it totally is. Timing is everything. It it totally is, and um and so much has happened since you know just so much has happened because when the sound of wings, when that was really coming out being written, it was pre pandemic. So this now new story is going to be catching up post pandemic. And let's just face it, even though I'm not going to be talking about it too much in the book life yeah. has changed Life has changed, you know in, in intrinsically in so many different little small ways
1: hasn't it, it it's crazy because there's like books that uh kind of pre-covid kind of almost predicted because they did their research that something similar to covid would happen and now um those authors get like reviews all the time of that's not how covid went down and they're like this was fictionalized like this is prior like this book was written 17 years before the facts in some cases and like so you know are you the type of author with that in mind are you the type of author to look at your reviews do you stay away from looking at reviews um what advice would you give authors about looking at reviews i always remind people their reader their opinions for readers right this is readers talking to readers about the story and their experience, not necessarily a full reflection of the work and the author themselves. What are I don't thoughts?
2: know. I don't know if you have found this in your own reviews, but I I have heard and have witnessed that Goodreads they can be a little bit more vicious than anywhere else. I have not read any of my reviews on Goodreads um, for the Christmas story. I haven't. And I'm sure some of them are lovely. And um, I stopped reading reviews for The Sound of Wings after like a year. I just because you know what? I heard an author say this once. It's a waste of time. And I, I see what she means. It is, you know what, because it distracts me too much and I don't need to be giving energy to a review that I really can't do anything about. And so my advice is to, and you can get 10 glowing reviews and one crappy review and you're going to focus on the crappy review, but what about all those other people who read your story connected with it? That's what you should be focusing on because that's,
1: that's who you wrote
0: the book for. Yeah, right?
2: so I don't I do not get hung up on the morbid fa- fascination of reading my bad reviews. Absolutely not. No.
0: No, that's, that's the true. smartest thing you can do because reviews are really for um other readers and you have no idea if that person is even your audience. We say that all the time, like you never know if that person's actually your audience, because a lot of times you'll find they'll say things and you're like, they're, you know, I can't believe this book had kissing in it, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, it's a romance book. (laughs) Yeah. What did you think was going to happen?
1: I was like, I'm like, well, thank you for for pointing out that it is what it was it is they're like this is this is like about the horny other woman in a romance story and i'm like yeah that's right <laughs> sometimes those bad reviews can help sell the book too yeah, yeah. like like that review what you just said like sounds kind of interesting now to me I'm like oh maybe I should read that <laughs> no every once in a while I get a review and I'm like they got they got it and they didn't like it but they're poor, you know they got stuck on a scene that's meant for them not to like and I'm like okay I did my job as a writer like that stuck out and it, and it impacted a reader to the point that they left me a one-star review all right (laughs) I mean a one-star review is so you know readers to read and be like oh yeah well now I gotta see what they mean by that right Yes. so but they supported me they took a moment to read my book they paid me technically on some level you know, so, and I appreciate readers. They, they at least are chatting about my book and I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah,
2: and I got I got one that I, I couldn't avoid. It was inescapable on Amazon. And she said the book was so-so. I can live with that. I really can. That's not so bad. You know, I can live with so Well, so-so.
0: you know, a lot of the one-star review, here's the thing. If you're going to leave me a one-star review, then tell me what was wrong with the book. Like what you didn't like. Do not one-star and jet. Like you know, if you're gonna leave a bad review on a book, say why you didn't like the book. What about the book you didn't like? So other readers, because other readers reading a review, like it had kissing in it, blah blah blah, I might look at that and go, "This has kissing in it. Awesome!" You know, like, exactly. But don't, don't I? I you know what I would call dine and dash. You don't get to like, leave a one star and then run out the door, so to speak. No, um it's true. Yeah. Okay, so. Let us move to the literary briefs portion of this podcast. Are you ready, Suzanne, for rapid fire questions? I think so. Okay. The first question we ask all authors is, what is your favorite book of all time?
2: (laughs) You can see I'm so good at this. That's okay. We ask She's everybody around. She's like, "I'm looking. I am looking on my shelves. I am looking on my shelves. My favorite book of all time. Can I say one that makes me feel all the feels? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. One that leaves me changed. I've I've got to get the title for you. Okay. Um. See if I can. Re- oh, okay. You know what? You're gonna like it. Uh, the deepest, deepest awakening by Jeff Foster. That's the book I like. It's nonfiction. Okay. Okay. Why? Because I've learned a lot about uh, human psyche and about myself. And I think that for me, in order to really get inside the mind of my characters, it's important to kind of understand that and, and understand myself. So that's a great book. I love that book. i mean, In fact, I'm reading it for the second time. Third. Awesome. Third
1: time. Yeah. Now it's time for the reverse. Okay. Yeah. what is your least favorite book of all time? A lot of people end up defaulting to like me and i anything jane austen i can't stand it i'm so bad oh, oh you hate jane i just,
0: I just not, we're not fans I, of jane but it makes
1: me fall asleep <laughs> we know a lot of people are but but then i mean you know our you know our other podcast host she's she adores jane austen so <laughs> i'm trying to think of a book that i
2: hated recently um my least favorite book of all time i'm not
1: good at this rapid part um <laughs> mmm I mean it's designed to catch you guys off guard. <laughs> it, it is Oh good
0: yeah. <laughs> Yes, no, totally.
1: yes. we're hoping that you're you're a little slosh by this point and
2: I, <laughs> I know I'm trying I'm trying to think um I'm I'm looking on Goodreads right now to see what I've read if that's okay
1: because oh yeah. that's totally that
2: yeah, okay. um let's see
1: mm-hmm. Least favorite book of all time. Just for you, Jane Austen fans, I respect Jane Austen. I get why you like her, it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah,
2: there was a YA I read, and I don't remember the author's name or the name of the book, but I couldn't. After two pages, I had to close it, and it was just so silly. And,
1: um, my uh, least favorite part of that. so okay, go ahead. in that case, as a reader, what is your pet peeve? What will turn you off on a book? Oh, uh, look- it's is- what would turn
2: me off if, yeah. if it's too too much too much dialogue too much dialogue and um too much telling and not enough showing yeah too much telling right away i can i usually can tell in the first you know 100 the 100 well i was going to say first couple chapters i can tell yeah. if, if
1: i'm going to jive with a book or not yeah purple prose will, will get me every time too like i don't need to know like tolkien i I, I, again, I love the worlds and things he's built, and I find it fascinating, but at the same point, I have a hard time reading Lord of the Rings in particular because there's so much purple prose, the tree, the tree, <laughs> And the walking and every step and joint. And I'm like, I can't. You know,
2: and this is going to sound
1: crazy. I'm going to say this
2: because I struggled with this, the um, Game of Thrones and I watched the show and I loved the show. But I struggled with the books terribly, if I can submit that. Because not that they're the worst in the world. They're great. They're amazing. His imagination is stellar. But I there's way too many characters and I can't keep up. I mean... I just couldn't keep up. So books
1: like that are hard for me to keep up with. If there's going to be a cast of characters. That's a big cast of characters. James Clavell was probably my first real experience with that. And he, and again, just like George R.R. Martin, he kills them off. And you're like, well, but wait, that was the character I was here. I was invested in that character. That was what was going to get me to the end of this book. And now he's gone. <laughs> like, what do I do now? I, and then you like read the next few pages, like you're lost <laughs> right, in his imagination. Like, where do I go? Um, yeah. So I, re- I respect that, but I don't love to read those kind
2: of
0: stories. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, okay. so what about um do you what is your favorite book to movie? like where you think they did a very good job taking the book to a movie?
2: It's got to be one of Stephen King's. I think his are among the best. Sometimes I think the movie is better than the book in his case. and I would never say this to him if I ever met him. Um, what was that book? Dolores Claiborne, great movie. I don't know if you oh. saw it. Uh, and I tried reading the book, and I and I couldn't get into it as much. Shining as well. The
0: Shining, I thought, was great. I, did, I struggled with the book. Um, that's interesting, that's- because I feel like, for me, a lot of his uh, movies were... N- I mean, I feel like some of them are better now than they... Excuse me. Coughing. Were, but I feel like sometimes the movies were, like, terrible in relation to... The actual, like Pet cemetery is a pet peeve of mine because I feel like it overlooks the entire, you know, Indian, Native American, like the spiritualness of this book that's even scarier than Gage running out in the street. But I feel like the movie always goes to Gage running out into the middle of the street, you know. Yeah, they go
2: for the horror. I did not read that book, The Pet Cemetery, but the but the movie sat with me for years. Like some of the scenes you just said Gage and I can picture the little boy in the truck right now. I mean, think about how powerful that is. That's pretty interesting.
0: <laughs> no, it's very true. Very true. Um, very cool. Um, uh, book
1: to movie adapt adaption. Do you think they did horrible at? Like absolutely missed the mark by a mile, kind of vibes. Or a- I'm gonna say, "E pray love." I love the book. I
2: like the book. I didn't love the movie. I didn't think that Ju- as great as Julia Roberts is. I didn't think she was a great fit for that. I didn't. I pictured someone else playing the author. Um, oh, yeah. Did you read? Did you re- cast then? Who would I have cast? Someone that looks a little bit more like Elizabeth. It was what's her name Gilbert what's her name Elizabeth yeah, I think it's Elizabeth Gilbert Gilbert yeah it's my mind um maybe Helen Hunt maybe someone like that oh, Julie man. Roberts oh, is man. almost oh, too like pretty it. and and she's almost too you know she's been in pretty woman and I, I just felt it wasn't she's a great actress she did wonderful but I would have picked someone else yeah
0: like Helen Hunt maybe she was younger yeah you see that that's interesting. Okay, what about um, if you could travel anywhere and um, you know money was no option, anything like that? Where would you go? Scotland. Ooh, I just but got you're... back from Scotland. Did you? I'm dying, yes, I'm dying to get there. I'd love to get over there. Yeah, no, it was that was absolutely. You know, it's actually interesting. I'll I'll say it this way: Scotland is very beautiful, and Ireland too. I did both, but there's a but. Um, You definitely have to look like Edinburgh has a completely different feel than Glasgow, like completely different. Glasgow, you feel like you're actually in like a city, just even a city in the U.S. There's no like difference, the shopping, the everything. It's very commercialized where Edinburgh is much more brick streets and their castles there and all kinds of. So do your research before you go, because. That's that surprised me. I was I I did a train all the way to Glasgow. So I was like Edinburgh, all these castles. We get to Glasgow, and I'm like, okay, I'm done here. Let's go. <laughs> That's it, right. And you yeah. said castle. You, there it is, castle.
2: And and so that I could tie something into my romance series with a castle. Doesn't that
1: fit well? I know. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then write it off on the taxes as
0: an <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, Val. <laughs> I'm gonna have you ask a question and then I'm gonna ask the final one. So oh man.
1: Uh let's see.
0: Well, I'll ask while she's thinking of her yeah, question. I have to think of one. I wasn't ready. Who would you cast in your first book as the lead characters? Oh, love it, love it, love it. Okay. For Crystal
2: Axelrod, she's the uh, of you know, volu- voluptuous blonde. Um I would cast. Scarlett Johansson, and for the writer, Jocelyn, who's brunette, Anne Hathaway, whose parents have a house in Cape May. She's down there in the summer sometimes. And then for the main, uh, Meryl Streep, for Goldie, Meryl Streep. Oh, she would be really good. I got chills. That would be Great be great actresses.
1: Yeah, I could see all of them in there. Great question. Very cool. Okay, Val. All right. So I always talk about that no matter how hard you you develop your craft, that you always develop a new bad habit or re- retain a bad habit. Um, I always joke that my habit is I always develop new crutch words per book. <laughs> it's, I get rid of one only to adopt a new one. So what is the bad habit that you struggle with or see that happens on occasion in, in even your most recent manuscript?
2: I love that you said that's such a good question. You guys are great at this. The uh, bad habit is just going over the same paragraph or the same sentence and making it perfect. I have to stop that because it wastes too much time. And and I just need to let it go and move on. And I have to stop doing that, making it a pretty, pretty perfect page that could very well not
1: make it into the story. So yeah, that needs to go. Love that. <laughs> Don't edit as you write. <laughs> No, because that's where revisions come into play. That's right. That's That's where you make it pretty.
0: (laughs) So what advice would you give authors out there that are just starting out? What would be the one piece of advice you would give them? Network,
2: network, learn from others, Um, be a good literary citizen, you know, read books that you're interested in, give reviews. Show up, join the Facebook reading groups, participate. Um, you get out there, get out there in, in different ways. Uh, we were talking, you know, on the break about how solitary writing can be. It's such a it's such a solitary thing that we do. And that's why it's even more important that we have that networking and we have people that we can, we can go to where we we put the tom- tomato timer away. And you, if you're going to waste time on social media, at least make it worth your while and be, you know, seeing what people are reading, uh, following the authors that you like, see what they're doing. What are they up to and, and, and keep yourself interested and keep yourself engaged.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that. Love that. Okay. Um, now it's shameless self-promotion time for you. How do people find you in your books? You can just go
2: straight to my website. It's just my first and last name. That's S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-S-I-M-O-N-E-T-T-I. And all my info's there. Um, you can read about the books and see the book trailers and hear more about me and Kate May. Wonderful. Awesome. I love it. <laughs> It was so wonderful having you on this podcast, Suzanne. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for giving me a great reason to drink wine on a Tuesday. I, by the <laughs> way,
0: if you ever need that, reach out to me. I am fit. <laughs> We're there. <laughs> if one thing I can do in this life is I can be a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. that. should be on a t-shirt for you. Well, it's so funny because when I, I remember, I forget when this was, but at one point in time, somebody asked me what my, you know, what my warning label would be. And I said, not suitable for those under the age of 18. Like, <laughs> love it. But kids love love me. It's weird. Anyway, Susan, it was wonderful having you on the podcast. Thank Thank you so much much for being here. Thank you both so much. This was a problem. Thank you. Awesome. Well, everyone, this has been drinking with authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host. Valerie Willis, the interrupting. Interrupting (laughs) moo. You just can't (laughs) stop yourself and you're not even (laughs) drinking. Which I know, just I know. The
1: best this, I, whether I'm sober or not, it doesn't matter. I will always yeah. disrupt Erica's day.
0: Okay. <laughs> Do not forget to like, subscribe. Please tell your friends about it. Hit the subscribe button. Believe it or not, universe, that actually helps us so that the world knows how much you enjoy listening to us. Um, our guest today has been Suzanne Simonetti, and we will see you all next time. Ciao.